This is the Bar Stewards Enquiry. You shall talk an absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. In, in what way? You are an underachiever in life. You, I'd see if you're a bacon montage. You are gone. You well. I couldn't save you. I'd well. But you said the right thing. But that's why you don't know anything about racing, John. I, I didn't say I do. Right? I'm saying that what, what have you contributed to racing? You are one of these take-out merchants. Take out all you can. And a very big welcome to the Bar Stewards Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk and co-presenting with me tonight uh, is John Leng of John Joe's Blogspot on Facebook. Give that page a whirl because it's a lot of fun on there. Um, evening, Al. Yes, evening, John. Um, and it's a busy show this week because we, we're talking about three very hot topics and we're going to get onto that sooner or later. But we'll start the show off by mentioning, uh, well, a special mention, really, for the retirement of Richard Johnson and his services to the sport. And I have to say, despite the stick he's received on this show from from various guests, pundits, myself and everyone else, what a lovely fellow he is. He, I watched the Lou Carvey interview on the, at the races and what a nice man. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in the gates of hell for what I've been saying about Dickie Johnson. What a lovely fella. Um, and he, he sort of... He was a victim, really, from, from obviously from punter ranks of probably hanging around the game a year too long, which is why he got the stick he probably did this season, as in he wasn't the Dickie Johnson of old. Uh, John, any thoughts on, on Dickie Johnson's retirement? Yeah, well, overall, you can't really knock the record, can you? You know what I mean? He's, he was running up to McCoy about 35 times, wasn't he? And, yeah. You know, second most winning jockey and... You know, I mean, as you rightly point out, they were been getting stuck into him a bit late because he, fair fair, he has deck plenty. You know, but, well, um, it's the old, it's the famous, it's the famous wrong stride two out, yeah, isn't it? You know, that, you know that's. I, I think sometimes I'm not saying it's like, it could be a bottle; it could just be just judgment. But you know, the 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 fella, the fella's been decent. You know, in yeah. his early career, and then. He, as I said, I just think it was probably one year too many, but the interview was, what a lovely fella. Uh, oh, absolutely, you know, I mean, he was clearly far too nice a fella to marry into the royal family, and yeah, when he got out of that. Yeah. Um, um, so, I, I, I definitely uh, need pulling up. Um, I, think the, I think the only person that probably a bit upset about his retirement would be Mark Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Probably spent six weeks planning that yesterday. I think so. You know, I think, I think so. it's a nice, quiet day, big announcement. I'll get a nice bit of press. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's like uh, he's like a carbon apology on the front page of the Daily Mail, isn't he? He got three lines. <laughs> Paul Salkeld says, "Where would you rank him, John, in the top jockeys in the last thirty years? Jump jockeys. Like, where, 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 where would you put?" I've always found him pretty functional, to be honest. Um, that's not knocking him at all. Um, some of the best sportsmen the world's ever seen have been somewhat manufactured, rather than what you class as natural talents. But I'm putting him a little way behind, certainly behind Paul Carberry, who I think is the best I've ever seen. Um, then I'd break it McCoy and Robbie Walsh, John Frankham, you, you know. Um, 
But, I mean, he's up there as a very, very good jockey, very effective rider. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. I mean, I'd put him behind somebody like Norman Williamson. I don't, you know. Yeah, Norman's a flair rider, wasn't he? You know, you know I'd... I'd I thought storming Norman was 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 an excellent jockey. Great hands, lovely hands. Yeah. And yes, so yeah, we put him as a, as a, a very decent jockey. That, and I think he certainly was, made the most of his ability, didn't he? Yeah, I think that's a sign of the times, though. Now, where I don't think we've got any great jockeys over here now at the moment. You know, like uh, national. Really no. You know, I mean, we could say flat as well, but but National Hunt for sure. I mean, you you look at the top riders. Well, what who's competing for the title? You know, Harry Cobden, uh, Brian Hughes, and and Harry Skelton. Which, uh, by yeah, look, the the decent good riders, but but no one's talking about any of them as as ever been. You know, well, you top, watch, top you, you watch, no, you I mean, you watch Brian Hughes had a finish. He's in the girl fanning class. Fuck <laughs> like Brian, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. a tickling stick. Yeah, so uh, uh, we wish uh, Richard Johnson a great retirement, as I'm sure everyone does. As long um, as he doesn't become a pundit. Yeah, no, he can. He, he could sit maybe with uh, Ty Licky and and George Baker on a profile is full. No more seats on, on the Choo yeah. <laughs> second, second, we've got a second question. Nick Davis uh, puts he's a regular listener to the show. The, the <laughs> happy hammer. Is he happy hammer this weekend? I don't know. I even know how they've gone on. Uh, he says flat racing. He, he's worried, and he and he says the, the the sort of dearth of talent that's around at the moment. Like he said, he, he looks at Lord Glitters, Adabe, and then you look at. Uh, a lot of the talent recently that's that's got the headlines on the flat enable Stradivarius, Batash, Magical, they're all seven plus. He's right. And he says Poets Word, Crystal Ocean, we're all winning top events at five and over. And he says that he hasn't seen anything like this in 45 years following the sport job. Uh, the, 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 the dearth of quality, if you like. I mean, I suppose you go back to previous arcs, you you could have you could literally have a star studded arc some years where you get six or seven horses that were all top class great uh, group one animals and, I, and I'm not sure so sure we could get an arc this year to maybe get to, to that standard at the end of the season. What's your thoughts? Well, I think in recent years you come out of the arc and you're never really looking for anything coming in from left trail now. Are you? you know, it's all like the front trail in the betting. It's all about the front trail in the betting yeah. all the time. Yeah. Whereas years ago, you know, I mean, you had uh, Tony Ben. Well, seventy-five, for example, a, a glaring example is nineteen seventy-five Star Appeal. Yeah. Now that was an eclipse winner, going off hundred plus to one in an hour. Yeah. You know, and it kept good company. It was close to the pace in the race of the century at Ascot. You, you know, but. There was all kinds of horses in that, you know. I mean, there was Green Dancer, Bruni that won the Eclipse, uh, the legs of 10 lengths, you, you know. Uh, Ivan Jaker that won the race the following year. Daily, LA France. You, you know, it was a monster of a race. Um, yeah. and, and that was like year in, year out in an hour, you know. I like think the best of ours was over there. 
Every year, you, you know, I mean, whenever he won our big races, it was all aimed at the arc at the end of the year, whether he thought they'd gone over the top or not, you know. Um, and I mean, right, right through the 80s, 90s, you know, generously and swab dancing, you know, I mean, that was a so pack with talent. Um, and reference point when he uh, ran in it, trampolino, bloody good house, you, you know. Yeah. And yet now, you get asked, I mean, I don't like slagging an airball off, but if you'd been running in that area, I don't think you'd ever been in a position to get a sniffer winning three yards. No. You know? No. Again, it, it all comes back, in a way, to, to what, and I do agree, at first, when you started saying it a few years ago, uh, regarding the derby, you 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 were an advocate of that O'Brien was basically farming it and ruining uh, ruining yeah, it by, and, by yeah, and that's yeah. Right, yeah, and I, I'm more in your camp now than than I previously was. I mean, at first I'm thinking, well, you know, if you want to run six, run six. But then you look at it, you look at it from a, a deeper angle, and racing in a way needs needs champions and needs need need needs horses to sort of you know like. You know, when a guinea, a, a guineas and a derby winner is fantastic for the sport. You know, because yeah. because basically you've you've done the double guineas derby, and then usually we'll go for the eclipse probably after that, or possibly. You, you see, unless he unless he thinks he's got a triple crown house, he'll he'll go guineas, Irish guineas, St James's Palace, Sussex. Yeah, you know, because um, he loves six with derby anyway. Yeah. And it'll only well, yeah. Peloton. Yeah. And where would you fit a Guinea's winner into that Peloton as well? You know, he's, yeah. not, he's not even going to look and give yourself a headache because you're not going to make the running with it. Midfield sit might do too much. And sitting out the back, if we go a strong gallop, it might not get home anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even, even, even Johnny G this year, in terms of. You know, like at top of the market in in in, in the classics. You know, he, he's he's not he's not really there. Um, and and that's you know f- to say he's probably our best trainer. Uh, you say probably, his people, his people are going to do well to come up with one every year. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, he's got like uh, Askham and Valiant studs, and he for the Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean. He's, to be fair, he's had an absolute golden balls period, really, compared to what they had in the preceding 30 years. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you can expect them to fall off a way bit. Um, Qatar racing, still very much an unproven quality, I think, with Redders managing and everything, you know, I mean, I'd like to see a bit more consistency from them. Yeah. You know, and uh, and what else has he got really? You know, there's, there's no honour Raiders in in the frame at the minute. No, no. It's, it, I, I, like I say, Nick Nick makes a very good point, and I, and I, I I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know what the answer is to stop it. But again, he's, I suppose it's a bit like what we've seen at the Cheltenham Fez, where you you've got a dominance of the sport from a, a certain part and that's it and there's no chat and I, whether whether other trainers aren't able to challenge card well, challenge well, I mean the point being they've got 70 75% roughly of the top road mares yeah 
and they don't give a flying shit if, they, if they're wasting half a dozen of them offspring at three years old. No. As long as the wind guineas, Derby, and probably Ledger. Yeah. You know, they'll waste five in the Derby. Yeah. And they won't care. I mean, I mean, Coolmore and, and the likes, <clears throat> they, they'll waste many talented fillies and colts by busting them on the gallops, you know, yeah. they, because they obviously, they, they're trying to find the pecking order. So by doing that, you've, you've got to work the brains out because if you don't work the brains out, you won't know. Um, no, and, I mean, they'll be on that long gallop going like hell. Yeah. So it, it, it's the ones that have got the constitution and the, phys- the physical uh, well-being to survive that regime, I think. Cause like well, that's, that's it. Magda's not interested in standing anything that wouldn't stand that. No. So they're not bothered. If they, it does, doesn't matter if the, if the mayor was a Group 1 winner, the sire's Galileo, but if they've got a cult or a fillet, it, it doesn't matter to them if, if they break it because there's always another one. Yeah. Whereas other trainers that have got that sort of progeny, uh, uh, that, uh, that sort of horse flesh, will be more careful. Yeah. And yeah. if you've only got one, it's simply not worth going to Epsom. Because what do you do? You know, I mean, you're stumped, aren't you, for riding instructions, for starters. Yeah. You know, what do you do? And, and unless you've got an absolute champion where you don't give a monkey's whether you play third fourth or in the car park. Yeah. You're absolutely snookered on tactics. Yep, it's true. Because if, if you chase them pacemakers, you're giving these other far a lead. So maybe Nick's got, Nick's got a valid point here. This, this could be worrying times on the flat. Uh, it, it, was like a, it was like I said to you off early, I think we need to hit rock bottom for anything to happen. Yeah. And rock, rock bottom will be when we have four runners in the derby trend in this country. Yeah. And I don't think it's too far off. No, fair point. Fair point. Great question, Nick. Great sort of analysis there. I think, you know, it's hard to argue with what you're saying there. Right, we move on to our first of our three topics this weekend, and it is micro-ownership. And Ian Davies, who again is a regular listener to the show, he starts us off here by saying on micro-ownership. Now, just to explain briefly, micro-ownership is where you will pay a very, very small sum, maybe anywhere between 40 and £80 pounds for percent of a horse owned by, it could be, it could be running the Guineas, the Grand National, whatever. You get, you get a nice leaflet, gallop, gallop reports, blah, 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 um, potential stable visits, ballot maybe to go to a race course. So that's what micro-ownership is. And Ian Davis says... It is one of the basic rules of life. If betting is a mugs game, unless you know what you're doing, racehorse ownership is an even bigger mugs game with the same caveat that if you're shrewd, you can occasionally nick horses foolishly putting claimers, etc. Inherited wealth spent over a lifetime by chinless idiots sustains the game at the top, along with cash wandered by successful business people who seem to have their business brains surgically removed the instant they get into racing and are offered their first horse. Further down the food chain, you have hordes of my little pony, 
horse lovers determined to be separated from their life savings by getting involved in rip-off racing clubs. Leases, they don't even own the horse. Just pay the bills. And now micro-ownership. Answering a scam call and following the instructions would be a better investment. He probably summed up the entire topic before me and you discuss it. But, John, micro-ownership. Recently, Nick Luke brought it to attention on Twitter that uh, so I, I'm not even going to mention the, the, the owners because I'm not giving them, giving them a plug. But certain groups, uh, he, he itemised where where the money was going. So if you're fifty pounds and you got your welcome pack and you you know and this that, and the other, yeah, the apparent I read that thirty percent nearly went as a management fee, and it worked out that if they sold sort of I don't know thousand odd shares or five thousand shares. They'd sell, they'd sell, they'd sell a, a cheap horse for hundreds of thousands of pounds. I mean, is is this is this value? Is it a ripoff? But yet, I've I've also seen happy happy owners that have defended defended these clubs and said, "I'm really happy with what I've, I've paid." John, thoughts on this? Yeah, well, them happy owners are licking the window of the taxi on the way home as well. Eh? <laughs> um, I mean, honest to God, this really is. A glaring example of how racing as an entity views the wider public. It, it just basically sees them as something that's there to be emptied out as quickly as possible. <laughs> and once they've had the money off them, get the next one in as quickly as possible. And there's no thought for the future or the future well-being of the sport, generating interest, generating long-term following or anything. It yeah. is basically get 80 quid off him and then tell him to go home and shut up. <laughs> I, we, I don't, think... we don't want to know, you know I mean? Uh, and they don't. I mean, we, we, we've all had a situation where we've tried to advise trainers when there's been bigger than micro shares involved and yeah. They don't want you advising them or anything else. I mean, basically, they just want these people chucking the money in the pot so these idiots can just blaze on in their own sweet way, run them where they want, run them how they want. No pressure because there's no one owner going to give them a right coating for running it in the wrong place, wrong tactics from jockey or whatever. <laughs> and it, it's basically giving trainers and syndicate managers a license to act like idiots and no comebacks. I mean, I will play devil's advocate on this in a minute, but I agree agree with what you're saying wholeheartedly. That's just my my point of view. But, I mean, for me, do you think, though, this is very clever marketing? Because if you think about it, what's easier to sell? Uh, a horse that's running in the Grand National, and you can have basically a you know a photo of it, a, a, a detailed about its gallops, a video about its gallops, and it costs you forty or fifty pounds, and you sort of feel involved. Whereas you try and sell that Grand National entrant for twenty five thousand pound for a ten percent share. You know, uh, two hundred pounds or three hundred more than that, four hundred pounds a month training all in. It's a hard sell to try and syndicate it that way. So what they've thought of is 
I know what we'll do. We'll just appeal to the to the uh, uh, hot air balloon brigade. You know the the Virgin. Uh, you know the the, the day, day trip that they sell. You know riding a supercar, going a hot air balloon. So we'll, we'll target that crowd and we'll, we'll charge. You know fifty. Well, it's well, a quicker kill, Lee. I'll give you that. Yeah. But conversely, would you rather sell that eighty quid share once? Or if like trainers used to have to do, you had to encourage people to come down maybe five or six times. Yeah. The arses have breakfast with you and all the rest of it. But then you've got them. And they'll spend two and a half days every year on a quarter share in a two year old. Yeah. You see, because you've built that interest, you've built that long-term following. It, this system, all you're doing is taking 80 quid off them and ignoring them. Pretty because, much. Because you get the elite yeah. out and that, that's it, and, you know I mean? And no, none of these people are going to dare ring up and say what's going on. No. It, it, it's a kind of... You, you you have to. I mean, apparently one group has 150 maximum per horse, or so, somewhere in that region that, that they actually mm. actually manage. But then you balloted. I read I read one site and uh, thing that where you, you could have stable visits, but you had to pay <laughs> on top. So 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 you you know there was one one group that was doing. So yeah, you could. They'll be opening up like stately homes next and having a raffle when you go. <laughs> I mean, look, the, th- the thing is what kind of worries me in a way. You've got Nick Luck. I've seen other senior uh, racing personalities promote this as if this, this isn't a bad thing. It's cheap. You get, you get information on the horse. You get Gallup reports. You get this. You get that. But when you, as again, this is, this, when you break the bottom line down of the costings and literally – it can be as little as like one fifth of your money has actually gone to the purchase price of the horse. The other four fifths is made up in complete admin rubbish. I'd be asking how many of these shares Nick Luke's got because I think he'll find he won't buy any. Right. It's it's short termism and it's all they can see. They can't see the bigger picture. They need to get this following into racing. The cat, there isn't the people there that are just going to allow you to take 80 quid off them year in, year out. They're going I mean, to get shall, sick. Shall we be brutal then and finish it by saying that there's that many thick people that they're just willing to just part with 60 to 80 quid and think it's value? Well, they're thick, but I don't think they'll do it three times. They might do it twice. <laughs> but, you know, three yeah. times would be pushing it. And I can't see it happening. No. Right. Well, whatever, whatever your thoughts on on micro ownership, me and John have, have more or less summed it up there that it's it, it's a rip off basically. There's there is no written value. You you can say, oh well, my, my, I bought it for my husband for for this that and other, and he, and he liked the letters and he liked the emails and the and the pictures of the horse, the videos of the horse, but. In reality, you won't. Have, it's like buying a star from from another solar system. Oh, you can if name. If the last bloke you know. made one of them as a present, honestly, <laughs> she'd, be, she'd, be, she'd be in the cell with Princess Latifah. 
Terrier. Brilliant. So, yeah, so me and John, not a fan of micro-ownership. But, like I said, the biggest surprise for me is the amount of credible, what I would call credible people on Twitter, credible judges, and saying, some saying that it's actually uh, not a bad way of uh, owning horses. Don't they agree. They're themselves with idiot trainers. That's all they're doing. Yeah. You know, because they'll all know some of these idiots that's got a thousand shares available in this 65 rated camel. You know. <laughs> End up putting a boat value of 180,000 on it. I did read. I did read one case where someone subscribed to to this horse, and I think you know it was it was destined for great things. I think it ran once in two years, mm. um, so it's it's not all all good. Right, we'll we'll move we'll swiftly move on because we've got limited time on the show to our second topic, which is affordability checks, and this is not good. Entain mm. have entered the the arena this week. That's Labrooks Corals amongst other groups and more or less said that they are going to introduce affordability checks to all to decide for safer gambling. And this has massive repercussions for the industry. In fact, enormous repercussions, more than what people realise, because the funding of the sport that we love relies on levy. Now, if you're refusing custom because you're bringing in legislation, there is not enough funding. Well, I, I've got a mole in the BHA, and would you believe it or not, John, that the BHA aren't concerned by this at the moment? I would certainly believe it. <laughs> I mean, it just—I've—I've actually—I've actually sort of been given a response by somebody relatively high up the BHA, and they say. Well, it will only affect a certain amount of punters. It shouldn't affect the funding of the sport, blah, blah. I mean, these guys are just... If they can't see what's coming... For me, this whole this whole debacle, which is supposedly going to be used to protect punters from, obviously, gambling problems and serious harm, you know, within the families. I get this. I get that there needs to be some sort of of action and legislation. What I don't understand is why the rules of this sport are, are just basically... And, I mean, if they can't see what's coming, the bookmakers, for me, now, are going to have free reign to trim their client lists. And I've already said this, that the bookmakers will leave the high rollers that they know that are good punters and doing it in regular, and they want the £5 and £10 punters, and that's it. And everyone else in between can can basically, can I say it, go get fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there so so when that comes in, literally then the 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 BHA then wondering why that their funding then gets lower and 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 the games in you know in the in the gutter. I mean we've seen how ground racing's gone. The BHA won't worry until the hedge fund that manages their pensions starts squaling. Yeah. And then they'll realise. In the interim, I mean, they'll just still they'll just all sit there doing the blowfish impressions, <laughs> sitting around the table. You know, uh, because that's as good as they are. That's as switched on as they are to what might happen in the future. I to- I totally agree. I totally agree with this because 
that response for, that I've seen, like I say, I'm privy to this information. I'm not. I can't name names, obviously, but that's that's the sort of BHA official stance at the moment. They're not concerned by entertain entering. They're surprised, but they're not concerned because so, they probably don't understand. No. You know, they probably need somebody to go, around, go along and explain it to them. This, this is where we're at. You know, I mean, this game is run by idiots. There's no two ways about it. They're outmanoeuvred at every stage by bookmakers, by government, and by a lot of punters. You know, um, and they're certainly outmanoeuvred by practitioners of dark arts within the sport. Well, you know, because <laughs> they, they couldn't catch a cold, and they, well, they're going to catch a cold over this when when the money comes up short. That's for sure. Well, I mean, to, to add fuel to the fire, to prove that this is not just 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 here. So, I mean, apparently at the moment, and and again, this this is what I'm hearing on the grapevine, obviously because I'm sort of connected with these people, is that they're also serious professional punters on Betfair at the moment that are currently going through these checks and that's this is this is a this is an enormous worry I think for for all concerned I think it's it's it might not seem you know when it doesn't when it doesn't affect normal people they're not bothered they, they you know they, they just switch off and it's well it'd it, be fine you know nothing to see here but but from what I'm hearing at the moment that there is worrying signals coming from the Betfair exchange as well that are, that are basically apprehending these punters to these checks. Now, you see, let's not forget, Lee, as well. As things stand, the BHA do not want successful punters in the game. Well, no. Why would they? they because need more we're, weather. you know, we're on gross profits tax. That's right. They need more losers. So, anybody that's any use at the minute. The BHA aren't going to stick up. So they'll be glad they've gone because, again, there's short termism. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's it's. But can I say that a lot of these successful punters have also bought racehorses and provided trainers a living, and you know, and 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 this is a thing. It's like a big big pond. BHA can only think of one thing at a time. Like, come on. It's it's it's, it's a big ecosystem. You, you've got. You've literally got if you've got winning punters, they're likely to buy horses. I know I know lots of professional punters that, that have and have put a lot of money into the game and provided jobs. And again, it's like it is like a big ecosystem. And once you start messing with it, which is what they're currently doing, they really are messing with it in a big way, then you're gonna get some I think some severe repercussions for the sport further down the line. And this is what we need to highlight now, not in two or three years, when the game is caboodled and, and hooked. It, I mean, we've already seen levels of prize money from sort of 15, 20 years ago that is superior to the prize money levels now. And that, if that's not just a warning, I mean, you've seen trainers on mass go to, go to France. You've seen owners saying, I'm having uh, French runners from now on because of the prize money. Again, this if this isn't alarming the BHA, it should. And an NTN doing this before they were pushed, by the way, this is not legislation. This has not been brought in by the government as of yet. It's not even been discussed in Parliament. But but already NTN, i.e. Lab Books and Coral, 
are wanting to bring this in as prejudice against punters from having a bet. It's just, I'm sorry, but this is just apparently wrong and it needs more airtime and it certainly needs the BHA not to have this, well, we're not overly concerned at the moment, unofficial response because obviously that's what I've been told. Now, that that's that's where we're at. It's very annoying and very worrying. It, it was always on the cards that this gross profits deal was going to throw up at some point a glaring conflict of interest. Yeah. And I think this is the biggest one it's thrown up yet. Um, I mean, I would ask the question, will J.P. McManus have to go, undergo affordability checks? <laughs> well, look, look at it this way, Lee. Um, say he's paying himself a crap salary out of his company. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, Um and he has to prove what he's earning from his company. Yeah. And he might only be paying himself in a year what he bets the first two days at Cheltenham. Yeah. It's quite feasible, that. It you is. Know. We all know We all know that very wealthy people will 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 take modest salaries. Yeah. Because so, would so that be a deal to then? And they say, no, you can't top up. Yeah. You've had enough, son. You know. Um, but if he, if he screams, hang on a minute, independently wealthy, that's surely the loophole we all get through. Yeah. I, I, I never envisaged this for the sport at all. I, I really, Especially before the, the, the trigger's been pulled. It, I, I'd understand if Parliament had discussed this and sort of voted in favour of... of of liberty restrictions in terms of what you're allowed to deposit into your betting account. But imagine doing this miles before. I mean, this could not be introduced until 2022. So why are they doing it now? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Lee, insofar as it's the big boat makers wanting to get the the problem customers out of their hair. Because I'll tell you now, if they didn't want to do this, there are so many lobbyists in Parliament, in the Tory party, yeah. uh, Phil Davis, Estimate McVeigh, you know, I mean, they love a bit of hospitality at the races. And they would have been screaming Parliament down over this, erosion of civil liberties, nanny state, yeah. all the rest of it, fudging the bill when it goes through. Well, they'd if have, you think they'd about have been it. at it. I mean, the government's got an 80 majority, so, so literally, if, if they're, you know... And the fact that they're not tells you that they want it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's, it's just a, a, a more, if it's not affecting you, uh, by, by you, I'm saying the listener, it, it, it might do in time, and this is why it's dangerous. Anything where anyone's introducing anything on your civil liberties, i.e. your decision, to put two or three hundred pound in a, in a betting account and have three hundred pound on a three to one chance that you've been waiting to run for the last three months, only then for the bookmaker to decline because it they're saying no, um, you can't afford it. You can't afford it. That is dangerous times. That is very very dangerous times. We don't want this sort of life. No one wants this sort of life. We we want to protect the vulnerable. Of course we do. But we don't want restrictions to everyone else in life because a very, very low percentage, you know, fall foul of of 
an addiction, which is gambling, same as alcohol, same as any other vices, if you like, if you want to put it's it as a thin end of the wedge, this. Absolutely. And, and it's not fair. It's not fair on, on the... And, and more people should, should basically speak up about this. This should not be brushed on the carpet and you should fight for the right to be able to have the stake that you want to have on the horse that you fancy at a big meeting without these ridiculous re- restrictions. Anyway, we'll move on to our final topic, which is racing's big court case. We've got the two contenders. In the blue corner. In the blue corner is Frederick Ironside, Ty Lickie, taking on Graham Oliver Reed Gibbons in the red corner. John, thoughts on this court case? Desperate stuff from Ty Lickie, yeah. Um, yeah. If... If he wins this, I mean, God alone knows what happens to the game. Do, do they start running in lanes? Can we get jockeys willing to go out and ride in races? Um, I don't know. It It's awful. Um, there has to be a certain understanding where if you choose to be a jockey, you're taking a certain risk, and if you get injured, you need to be insured. And that's top and bottom of it. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, if they grab Gibbo by the ankles, turn him upside down and check him, they're not going to get six million of it. So, God, God alone knows why he's doing this, you know I mean? If uh, if Gibbo gives him 30 quid, I mean, at least it might keep him off the telly for the fortnight. Well, again, Ian, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, him and George Baker. Mm. But, I mean... Ian Davies comes in with it, with the Ironside read debate, and he said, while my heart sides with Ironside, the law degree I somehow obtained from Warwick University, 81 to 84, is telling me you want to be Reed's lawyer for this one. And of course, this is, this is the thing. I, I've, read it, I've read it all, and I cannot for the life of me think why Ty Lickie thinks he's got a case. Because if, if, you, if you discuss every sort of like buffeting, uh, you've took my ground. Issue, there'd be no, there'd be no races ridden ever again, um, because because basically no one you could get insurance to ride a normal race because they, if this wins, it sets a precedent that if someone cuts you up in running, and you happen to just fall off and break break your arm and or whatever, that then you you, you end up in court. Well, how can, how can you have that in horse racing? It just <laughs> It's impossible. It just—it is what it is. It's a very tough sport to ride in, and I, I cannot see for the life of me how this case can win. Put it this way: they, they, they couldn't even get Kieran Fallon banged to rights on Ballinger Ridge in a court because the prosecuting uh, the prosecutors could not ascertain whether you know it was it was a bent ride or not. How much did Stuart Webster get for him pulling him off his ass? Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, that was yeah. as glaring as it gets. And that's what. That's it. So, so if 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 this was to rule entirely his favour, you're setting a well. Put it this way: I'd like to see jockeys' insurance after that, because you know it'd be sky high. Because literally, if you, if you well, we'd, be, we'd be strapping chimps on it, wouldn't we? Well, it's just. It's just, it's just I mean, nonsense. obviously, in some cases, a chimp would be preferable, but... Yeah. Um, so, so, myself and John's betting here. 
is we're, we're about one to thirty-three. The Funky Gibbon, Oliver Reed camp, and we're, we're sort of at, we're about at, but we'll we'll have a big over round here, John, because we like a point to point bucky. So we'll go fives. Yeah, Ty Licky winning court case. You know, uh, if anyone wants to come with any bets, just just let me know. Uh, anyway, Raul, we'll, we'll, it's been a cracking podcast. This and 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 some great talking points. We're going to finish it off on a more sort of light light hearted note. Uh, I've got no. Jimmy Lindley this week because I haven't really. I'll, I'll be. I'll be honest. I, I've got behind with my, my video work, um, so I'm sorry about that. So I'll make up for it next week. But we're going to talk about a potential golfing Masters winner this week, John. Uh, Andrew Bluck demands that we tip a bet in the Masters, John. What's your tip? Well, I'm. Uh, I'm a great believer in horses for courses round there, so. While studiously avoiding Rory McIlroy, I think um, Justin Rose is massively overpriced at 66 to 1. And I will certainly be having a few quid on him. On the old Rose, yeah. Solid. I mean, uh, I can remember him when he won at that quirky course, the one that, was it the the old, I don't know, Sam Sneed or Ben Sayers? It, the it, the two the Philadelphia one with the funny, yeah. funny funny flag sticks and Rose won the Open there, mm. the US Open there. Uh, cracking player, love the fella. Um, I've got to admit my golf knowledge isn't very much, but what I would say is any McElroy backers. I mean, you, you you've got to be crackers, and it's about McElroy. I mean, I mean sure. the lad the, the the lad the lad freezes round there. The, the he's he's sweating up coming out the paddock, isn't he? Ah, he's sweating up on his toes. You know, I mean, he's put cheap pieces on in the past. It's made no difference. He had blinds on the first time. You know, he's burst out the traps and then faded. You know, he's just he's whatever. Him, he's he? ah, you know, he's you know, poor Rory backers. I think you're going to be forever. Just just keep backing him and and doing it. In. He, he's just going to be one of them, isn't he? So, uh, John Lang there with his with his uh, Masters selection. Um, we've got a terrific show coming up on Friday because we've got the Ginger Hitler. Uh, he's he's an absolute. He's a he's just an absolute varmint. And and you know we, we've we've the spoiler of spoilers. We fought tooth and nail to get him on the show, and believe me, he's going to get it. And 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 he's on on Friday for the big Grand National preview. For next weekend, so it's, it's a show he's a bit stuck actually because obviously he'll want to tip the favourites, but when he finds out I've got an each way double going on to which he'll want the favourite to get beat as well. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's a strange kind, so and, he's, and, he's and you, don't, you don't want to miss the Grand National show with the Ginger Hitler on Friday night at the usual time. That's all from me and John. I hope you've enjoyed. The debate on this Sunday sermon. Bye for now.